Continue on this Monday, the 9th of October, by praying together on this Feast of St. John Henry Newman, a prayer from St. John Henry Newman. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I sacrifice to thee, O Lord, this cherished wish, this lust, this weakness, this scheme, this opinion. Make me what thou wouldst have me. I bargain for nothing. I make no terms. I seek for no previous information whither thou art taking me. I will be what thou wilt make me, and all that thou wilt make me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. John Henry Newman, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Monday morning. It is Columbus Day. Some of you have the day off. Up this hour, I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has got our video feed up and running. Kevin Schmeezing will take a look at This Week in Catholic History. We'll check in with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy and get more translations of some of the prayers that uh, he's been working on for the Liturgy of the Hours, some of the hymns specifically. We'll talk to Father John Gavin, more thoughts from the Church Fathers in the Catechism, and then on this feast of St. John Henry Newman, a Catholic convert, we'll talk to Joseph Pierce, himself a convert, who's written a lot about Newman over the years. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is calling for an end to the attacks and violence in Israel. The death toll continues to climb after Hamas's coordinated attack on Israel over the weekend. More than a thousand Israelis and Palestinians have been killed, while officials have confirmed some American casualties as well. Israel, which has responded with airstrikes in Gaza, formally declared war on the militant group yesterday. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israel would take mighty vengeance as his country embarks on a long and difficult war that was, quote, forced upon us. The Israeli government says Hamas has taken at least 100 civilians hostage. Meantime, the Pentagon is moving U.S. Navy ships and military aircraft closer to Israel in a show of support. The Holy Father yesterday prayed for an end to the violence during his Angelus address. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more. Please stop the attacks and the weapons and understand that terrorism and war do not lead to any solution, but only to the death and suffering of so many innocent people. War, he said, is always a defeat. Every war is a defeat. Speaking after the Angelus prayer on Sunday, the Holy Father said he is following with apprehension and his sorrow the latest news from Israel, where violence has erupted even more ferociously, causing hundreds of deaths and injuries. The Pope expressed his sympathy to the families of victims and said he's praying for them and for all those who are experiencing hours of terror and anguish. The Pope invited everyone to pray for peace in Israel and Palestine. 
Fresh violence erupted unexpectedly in the Holy Land on Saturday when Palestinian Hamas militants launched a surprise attack on Israel, firing hundreds of rockets and launching armed incursions into Israel. Israel immediately launched retaliatory airstrikes, and the nation's prime minister said his country is at war. I'm Christopher Wells. The death toll is rising after a pair of powerful earthquakes rocked Afghanistan. The Taliban says more than 2,000 people were killed and 9,000 others injured. The first quake hit western Afghanistan on Saturday and registered 6.3 on the Richter scale. That was followed by a 6.1 quake. A spokesman for the Taliban's Ministry of Disasters said more than 1,300 houses were damaged or destroyed. No damage being reported after an earthquake shook the Seattle area yesterday. The Pacific Northwest Seismic Network says the 4.5 magnitude quake struck in Scow Bay. The depth was measured at 35 miles. Residents reported feeling shaking as far south as Kent in King County and as far north as Vancouver, B.C. The National Weather Service says there is no tsunami risk. The United Auto Workers Union members at the Volvo Group-owned Mack Trucks are set to go on strike today after rejecting a tentative contract agreement. Mark Mayfield has more. In a letter Sunday, UAW President Sean Fain said a majority of workers voted against the deal, which included a 19% pay raise. The union represents roughly 4,000 workers in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Florida. This comes as thousands of UAW members across at least 20 states remain on strike against the big three U.S. automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the American League Division Series continued yesterday. The Texas Rangers jumped out to a 2-0 series lead over Matt's Baltimore Orioles with an 11-8 victory at Camden Yards. Mitch Garver blasted a third-inning grand slam to propel Texas to the win. The series moves to Arlington for Game 3. That's Arlington, Texas, not Virginia. For Game 3 on Tuesday, in other action, Carlos Correa, Correa and Minnesota Twins defeated the Astros 6-2 in game two in Houston, he went three for four with three RBIs to help the Twins even the series at one game apiece. That sounds so weird. Hmm. Carlos Correa and the Twins. And twins uniform. Anyway. Well. Let's see. NLDS. Arizona Diamondbacks visit the Los Angeles Dodgers. The okay. Philadelphia Phillies visit the Braves today. The D-backs and Phillies both lead their series 1-0. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been intense. Of course, you also had all the. All the football games going yesterday. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch much of anything. I kinda, no, kind of took a little little media time off. Oh, nice, nice, just a little bit. But uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how these things play out. I did watch. Um, I well, I didn't watch. I listened to some of the uh, Orioles and Rangers mm-hmm. uh, while I was driving yesterday. Did you like how I, I said Mass first... Orioles? Yes. Well. <laughs> Be careful about this because the <laughs> Orioles fans will get mad at me for running to their side here. Uh, but I will say this. That was a long first two innings, maybe three innings. I feel like the first inning took like over a half an hour. Wow. And well, then when you uh, have an the 11 Rangers to just eight. unloaded. Yeah. Mitch Garver hit that grand slam. Yeah. It was rough. Rough on the Orioles. But there's, there's a bunch of Rangers fans that are uh, in our – uh, listening audience through the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, uh, all sure of your Orioles, about this. all of your Oil- Orioles fans are also listening on the Guadalupe Radio Network, are they not? That's true. If they're in the D.C. area, the the closest, 
If they listen on 1160 in D.C., the closest baseball team to you who's still in it would definitely be the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles. So. Past that, it's the Phillies. But anybody who's a, a Washington person is going to have trouble rooting for Philadelphia in any sport. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm, I'm saying this, by the way, just to see if the Holy Spirit Radio and Philly people are awake right now, because I do hear from them as well. <laughs> I do hear from them as well. Well, we are glad that you're along, no matter where you happen to be listening, across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's eight minutes past the hour. It is time for This Week in Catholic History with Kevin Schmeezing, and you can find him and his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So today's first piece of history is one with which our listeners are almost certainly familiar, The Miracle of the Sun. I would imagine many listeners are familiar. It's been described as the greatest public miracle outside Scripture. Um, To recap the basic story of the apparitions at Fatima on May 13, 1917, in the countryside near the town of Fatima in central Portugal, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to three shepherd children, Venerable Lucia dos Santos and her cousins, Saints Francisco and Jacinta Marto. Mary would appear five more times over the course of the year, each time on the 13th of the month. Her main message was repent and pray, especially the rosary. By the end of the summer, thousands of people were attending these apparitions. And in September, Mary told the children that during the next apparition, she would perform a miracle so that everyone would believe. This promise provoked an even larger crowd. Estimates vary, but certainly there were tens of thousands of onlookers on October 13th, this week in 1917. Some of the details differ, but the basics of the incident seem to be the following. The rain that had been falling ceased, the sun came out, and then it began spinning, casting brilliant colors throughout the sky. Then it danced or moved erratically. At one point, it seemed to be hurtling toward the earth. Attendees reported that their clothing, the ground, everything else that had been wet was completely dry following the sun's dance. Now, allowing that not every witness saw the same thing, even some apparition believers didn't see the dance, the phenomenon was still witnessed by thousands, including some who had been skeptics. The apparitions at Fatima, including the miracle of the sun, were thoroughly investigated by the church and declared worthy of belief, which means Catholics don't have to accept them as an article of faith, but all indications point to their authenticity. Certainly something extraordinary happened in Fatima, the miracle of the sun, this week in 1917. And we celebrate it every year on the church calendar as a result. Uh, Kevin, we're also looking at some controversial comments by a priest involving politics. Uh, I guess that's only ever happened once, so we might as well, <laughs> might as well talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Another 20th century event this time in the United States, actually a major event in the history of Catholicism and politics, uh, this week in 1936. <clears throat> The background is that by the 1930s, Catholics were a substantial and rapidly growing portion of the American electorate. They were still an identifiable voting bloc, and at this point, heavily in favor of the Democratic Party. So Catholics were an important element in bringing to power Franklin Roosevelt in 1932. To fight the Great Depression, Roosevelt enacted his New Deal. It was very popular at the outset, but it had lost some steam by the time of Roosevelt's re-election campaign in 1936. Also, some former Roosevelt supporters had turned away. Two notable examples were Catholics, Al Smith, the former governor of New York and the first Catholic candidate for president, and the immensely popular radio priest, Father Charles Coughlin. Both had been Roosevelt supporters, 
and by 1936 were strident critics. So there was real fear that Roosevelt's support among Catholics might falter and that this would hand the election to the Republican Alf Landon. Enter Monsignor John Ryan. He was a professor at Catholic University, probably the best known promoter of Catholic social teaching in the United States. He had also supported Roosevelt in the New Deal, but unlike Smith and Coughlin, Ryan remained enthusiastic. So on October 8th, this would have been about a month before the election, October 8th, this week in 1936, Ryan delivered a nationally broadcast radio address, which was later turned into a widely distributed pamphlet titled Roosevelt Safeguards America. The summary at the website of the Archives of Catholic University called it Ryan's most famous public moment and also an overtly partisan political speech. Ryan made his position perfectly clear. The speech's final words were these, I urge you to use every effort at your command among your relatives, friends, and acquaintances in support of Franklin D. Roosevelt. At the time, as now, for both theological and legal reasons, the direct involvement of priests in political affairs was frowned on by most Catholics. Coughlin was already a controversial figure. This made Ryan similarly controversial. The postscript to the story is that FDR won, not only in 1936, but twice more after that. <clears throat> Coughlin was eventually silenced by his bishop for his increasingly unhinged, some would say anti-Semitic commentary. But you might say that Coughlin had some revenge. He used to mock Ryan by calling him the Right Reverend New Dealer, and that became the title of the first book-length biography of Ryan, which was published in the 1960s. So as you hinted at the beginning, Matt, religion and politics, always an edifying spectacle. This one was John Ryan's pro-FDR speech this week in 1936. Well, spectacle is probably the word that jumps out to me the most out <laughs> of that descriptor, uh, but certainly uh, it is an interesting episode in history, and uh, one wonders what kind of podcast those guys might have today. Who knows? <laughs> Kevin Schmeezing, thank you so much as always for helping us give a perspective on the present day by looking at this week in Catholic history. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right, let's check on weather for the nation for your Columbus Day heading into the week. A broad area of high pressure stretches from California to the Rockies across the plains and into the northeast and eastern seaboard. That's almost everywhere. That means plenty of sunshine for today. The biggest exception will be across the northwest where a developing storm system will bring showers from northern California to Washington. Snow levels should remain high enough to prevent the passes from seeing any of it. An area of low pressure continues to spin just north of the Great Lakes, bringing rain showers from Michigan's UP to upstate New York. Few spots could see some lake effect rainfall, leading to ponding and flooding in uh, certain areas. A weak disturbance will move across the Ohio Valley and into the central Appalachians today. That'll bring some clouds, perhaps a few showers. That'll be from Ohio and Kentucky into West Virginia. Back right after this with headlines and Anna Mitchell, it's a quarter past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. 
That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN offers the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass live every morning at 8 Eastern and provides you with daily readings to follow along and enrich your experience. To be sure you don't miss out on the daily Mass or to get access to previous recordings, we can send a link to your email inbox every day. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Seventeen minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is calling for an end to attacks and violence in Israel as the death toll continues to rise after the surprise attack from Hamas over the weekend. The Holy Father, during his Angelus Address catechesis, reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. And the death toll rises after a pair of powerful earthquakes over the weekend in Afghanistan. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, a lot of of things to keep in prayer uh, over the weekend. Um, Of course, woke up to uh, all the news going on in Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you know, this is a place where uh, many of our friends... You know, go on pilgrimage, and yeah. uh, this is a, a place that's been war torn and uh, a source In of fact, conflict. Is Steve Ray all the still way there? The beginning. I think uh, I think he might still be. Now, bear in mind that's uh, a little bit removed from where sure. yeah. um, where they where these things are be. happening. Yeah. And Steve has been uh, quick to point out that you know usually where he goes is not where these things tend to flare up. Um, but all the same, I mean, this is uh, this is something that. Well, it's in a 24-hour news cycle, and with social media, it's all too easy to just see all the horrible things going on, sometimes almost in real time. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of political questions in the mix, and mm-hmm. I don't have much oversight over them, but I do have recourse to prayer. And I do, uh, you know, as Kevin Schmeezing was talking about um, our Lady of Fatima mm-hmm. and uh, her calls to repentance and her calls to pray the rosary. And specifically, as she's mentioned in a few different places, to pray the rosary for peace in our world. Um, if you're not already adding that to your regular rosary prayer intentions, uh, add an end to war, uh, a proliferation of peace, uh, harmony among all God's children. Uh, add that to your prayer request list because it is extremely apparent that we need God's grace yeah. in uh, resolving these things. Absolutely. I just looked up Steve's website, and he and Janet actually got home a couple of days ago. So, yep. And he does point out in his blog post that uh, the areas that they habitually, as you were just saying, as they habitually go to, are not the ones that are, that are um, 
in danger right yeah, now. If it wasn't still, safe, Steve would stay home in Michigan. So. Exactly. But still, so many people in the crossfires here and lots of lives lost. And so lots of prayer definitely needed, as you say. Well, and, you know, I uh, yesterday I went down um, to the Museum of the Bible and we went through. Uh, I, sometime you got to come visit me and we got to take you there. Anna, to do that. It is, it is an experience. It is an experience. Uh, but they have this sort of Old Testament walkthrough. Some of our listeners may have been to it, and they go through, you know, the history of, you know, God's covenant, you know, with his people throughout time. And it's, it's there's been conflict kind of all the way going back to the beginning oh, in yeah. that space. And, I mean, we're talking about from, when I say in the beginning, I mean, like, from Genesis on, that area of the world. Uh, and every generation seems to face some kind of conflict. Well, it's hardly surprising when that is the promised land, right? In mm-hmm. and that Satan would single that out as a place to to fight God, to fight God, and get yeah. us to fight one another. Indeed, all the way back to Cain. You listen to the Sunrise Morning Show. Well, imagine promoting your business right here to other listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show. You'll reach like-minded folk across the nation on over 300 radio stations, each of those stations with thousands and thousands of listeners, not to mention all the people who listen on Sirius Satellite and our online app. Find out more about national underwriting of the Sunrise Morning Show by emailing me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com, L-E-A-H, at sacredheartradio.com. I am Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Amos is probably the best known of the Minor Prophets. There are twelve of them. They have this title, Minor Prophets, because their oracles were originally preserved on one single scroll. In the time of Amos, God's people were divided north and south. The religious center of Judah the southern kingdom, remained Jerusalem. But the kings in the north set up rival sanctuaries to keep their people from worshiping God in the Jerusalem temple. One such sanctuary was in Bethel. In chapter 7 of his book, Amos is in Bethel, and there he has a celebrated exchange between Amos and one of these northern priests, whose name was Amaziah. This Amaziah thought Amos was just one more clever individual earning a living by saying what the royal house of the north wanted him to say. Amos makes the surprising statement that he never was a prophet. What he means is that he never was a prophet as Amaziah thinks of a prophet. If you have time, look up that wonderful passage between Amos and Amaziah. For Sacred Heart Radio... I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, uh, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Uh, he works on English translations of all kinds of stuff. Uh, Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Annie, how are you? Um, we're great, and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. We're uh, talking uh, more about hymn translations. So if you could, uh, remind us about the new project that you did uh, on the Liturgy of the Hours hymns and uh, which one we're looking at today. 
Sure. Yeah. So we talked a little bit last week about how ICEL is revising the entire liturgy of the hours, partly to update the translations, uh, to make them more in line with the new missile translation of 12 years ago, but also because there were some elements in the liturgy of the hours that never got translated. So the hymns uh, never got translated the first time around. We just uh, we looked at the Latin text of the hymns and we either found existing translations or we found other hymns that were related and we just kind of plugged those in. So this time around, we've been actually translating the Latin text of the hymns into metrically equivalent singable English hymns um, so that so that people can actually sing these hymns uh, that the church proposes. So last week we looked at a hymn from uh, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, and I thought it would be interesting to look at another one of those uh, hymns for the baptism uh, today. So we're going to be looking at and talking about the hymn for the Baptism of the Lord that's used for the Office of Readings, and it's also the same hymn that's used for Second Vespers or Evening Prayer 2 uh, for the Feast of the Baptism. So if you if you currently pray the Liturgy of the Hours and you open up to the Feast of the Baptism, um, which is the Sunday after Epiphany, and you go to the Office of Readings, the hymn that you see there currently um, is actually a pretty good hymn. Um, it's pretty ancient, and it does sort of relate to the baptism, but it's not an actual translation of the Latin text that the Church proposes for us. Yeah, and um, if I could pause you right there just to reflect on the last one that you did for us. So we had had sort of a plug-in hymn that, as you read through it, was really great. I mean, it was a pretty good hymn, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of richness. Uh, but the one that was in the Latin tied together Christmas through the Incarnation up to the Baptism and also talked about, hey, it's nighttime, <laughs> right? Right, In a way yeah. that the previous one hadn't. So <laughs> uh, I imagine you found something similar here. Yeah, so if um, I'm just going to read you the new translation uh, that we've—this is already available in a hymnal, uh, the Divine Office hymnal. It's being published by GIA. So even though we haven't completely finished and produced the whole Liturgy of the Hours, these hymns are, are out and currently available. So this is uh, this is the actual translation that you can get um, of the, of the Latin. As John fulfilled his sacred charge— Christ Jesus, author of the world, immersed this day in Jordan's tide, by bathing washed its waters clean. Born from the virgin mother's womb, he did not need to be baptized, yet by his washing he desired to take away our guilt and sin. The Father speaks, his voice proclaims, this is my own beloved Son. From heaven's height on him descends, in dove-like form, the Spirit blessed. Beneath the mystery of this name, salvation shines within the church. The Trinity abides with her, one God through every time and place. All glory be to you, O Christ, the Father and the Spirit blessed. In splendor from the heights of heaven, reveal that you are life and truth. Amen. So let's just spend the next uh, 12 to 16 hours unpacking that. Because <laughs> right, that exactly. is some rich stuff, man. Yeah. So I, one thing I want to touch on, I mean, it, it covers a lot of ground. This focuses specifically on the event of the baptism 
and kind of re recapping that event from the gospels so you get the you know the voice of the father the spirit descending on christ but one thing i find really fascinating in that first stanza is you get the mention of john in the very first line as john fulfilled his sacred charge and then suddenly, as soon as you mention John, we're on to talking about Christ, which is sort of an interesting thing when you think about what John himself says in the Gospels, he must increase and I must decrease. We have that, we have that sort of reflected even in the structure of the first stanza. John is just barely mentioned in the first line, and then Jesus gets the rest of the stanza and so you also get that sense that, you know, John came first, but then it's really about Christ. Um, yeah. So there's some really interesting scriptural echoes, even just in the structure of of that first stanza. But yeah, yeah you, it's there's also ahead. some interesting catechesis there, too, because it goes yes. on to talk about how Jesus doesn't have to be baptized. And right. yet, you know, all this other stuff and how he himself is the author of this whole process out of line one and two. I wish we had more time because that is like a. That's like a whole entire semester worth of stuff in a hymn. Yeah, if our listeners want to get this mine. hymnal, yeah, how do they go? How do they, where do they go? Oh, yeah. So you can get this hymnal. It's called the Divine Office Hymnal, and it's being published by GIA. Well, it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the Inter International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com along with all the guests. Uh, that we talk to you on a daily basis. I know many of you pray the Liturgy of the Hours. I know uh, many of you, uh, we have lots of priests listening who are very interested in this. And uh, if you don't have your copy, go check that out. Uh, again, by the way, not only can you at sunrisemorningshow.com find links to the guests that we speak to during the course of the morning, it's also where you can find our live video stream, which is now up and running. Thank you to uh, all of you for your patience as we've kind of got that in the mix. Um, but yeah, head on over to sunrisemorningshow.com, click show notes, and right at the top of the show notes, it gives you a link to the video stream so you can uh, tune in and join the chat with us over there. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for an end to the attacks and violence in Israel as the war happens after a surprise attack from Hamas over the weekend. The death toll is climbing after Hamas's coordinated attack. More than a thousand Israelis and Palestinians have been killed, while officials have confirmed some American casualties as well. Israel, which has responded with airstrikes in Gaza, formally declared war on the militant group yesterday. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed that Israel would take mighty vengeance as his country embarks on a long and difficult war that was, quote, forced upon us. President Biden is sending additional assistance to Israel following the deadly attack by Hamas militants on Saturday. Mark Mayfield reports. The White House says the president spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Sunday and told him more aid will follow in the coming days. Meanwhile, the Pentagon is moving U.S. Navy ships and military aircraft closer to Israel in a show of support. A spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces confirmed at least 700 people have been killed in Israel. Palestinian officials reported more than 400 dead after Israeli airstrikes on Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. Several major U.S. airlines have canceled flights to Israel because of the ongoing conflict. American, United, and Delta Airlines have all canceled their flights to Tel Aviv from major U.S. cities, including Chicago, New York, Newark, and San Francisco. 
A spokesperson for Delta said the airline will work with the U.S. government to assist with the safe return of any Americans who want to come home. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address to the faithful yesterday in St. Peter's Square, said terrorism and war would only bring further death and suffering to innocent people and not solve any problems. The Holy Father said war is only a defeat, and he urged people to pray for peace in Israel and Palestine. He encouraged the faithful to pray the rosary in this month of October, dedicated to the Holy Rosary for peace. During his Angelus Address catechesis, the Pope reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants in the Sunday Gospel, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. From Vatican Radio, Sister Bernadette Reese reports. Reflecting on this parable, Pope Francis said that the tenants should have been grateful for what they received and for how they had been treated. Instead, ingratitude gave rise to greed and a progressive sense of rebellion grew within them, leading them to see the situation in a distorted way, to feel that the owner was in their debt rather than that they were in debt to the owner who had given them work. And thus the Pope said, from being tenants... They become assassins. Pope Francis went on to explain that in this parable, Jesus reminds us what happens when a person deceives him or herself into thinking that what he or she does, they do on their own, and they forget to be grateful. This attitude, the Pope said, can lead to dissatisfaction, misunderstandings, resentment, and ultimately violence. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, he said, ungratefulness generates violence, while a simple thank you can bring back peace. The Holy Father invited us to ask ourselves if we are aware that life and faith, our very selves and everything we have, come from the grace of the Lord, and if in response to grace we know how to say thank you. Pope Francis concluded his Angelus reflection with a prayer that the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose soul glorifies the Lord, might help us to make gratitude the light that dawns daily in our hearts. I'm Sister Bernadette Reese. The death toll continues to rise after a pair of powerful earthquakes rocked Afghanistan. The Taliban says more than 2,000 people were killed and 9,000 others injured. The first quake hit western Afghanistan on Saturday and registered 6.3 on the Richter scale, and that was followed by a 6.1 magnitude quake. A spokesman for the Taliban's Ministry of Disasters said more than 1,300 houses were damaged or destroyed. United Auto Workers Union members at the Volvo Group-owned Mack Trucks are set to go on strike today after rejecting a tentative contract agreement. In a letter yesterday, UAW President Sean Fain said a majority of workers voted against the deal, which included a 19 percent pay raise. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The You listen to the Sunrise Morning Show? Well, imagine promoting your business right here to other listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show. You'll reach like-minded folk across the nation on over 300 radio stations, each of those stations with thousands and thousands of listeners, not to mention all the people who listen on Sirius Satellite and our online app. Find out more about national underwriting of the Sunrise Morning Show by emailing me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com, L-E-A-H, 
at sacredheartradio.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are glad that you're with us on this Monday, October the 9th. It is the Feast of St. John Henry Newman. And, uh, of course, he is a uh, big deal. He's only canonized a few years back. Um, But uh, we talk about him all the time at the Coming Home Network because of his impact on so many people coming into the church. Of course, Newman, an Anglican who converted to the Catholic faith. So, John Henry Newman, pray for us. We're joined now by Father John Gavin, who is the author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. He's been going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church with us and looking at the various ways that the Church Fathers are quoted in the Catechism. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. So uh, I feel like this is uh, a great topic to to bring out at any time, but you know, I see all kinds of frustrations in parishes and dioceses at the Church level as a whole between the Church and all other kinds of Christianities, so it's good to kind of reflect on what we believe about uh, wounds to unity. Uh, we're going to be looking at what Saint—well, uh, not Saint—what Origin of Alexandria has to say about some of this stuff, but what's the context in the Catechism where this comes up? Sure, so the section we've been looking at, or the sections we've been looking at, is, are on the Church and the Holy Spirit's action in the Church— But this specific section looks at wounds to unity and the ways in which uh, divisions uh, throughout history and even now occur within the body of the Church, uh, and also calling us to respond to them. All right, so then how does Origen show up here? So Origen, uh, the quote that it has here comes from his homilies on uh, Ezekiel. Uh, this is actually treating uh, chapter 16 of uh, the book of the prophet Ezekiel. And he writes there, uh, where there are sins, there are also divisions, schisms, heresies, and disputes. Where there is virtue, however, there also are harmony and unity, from which arise the one heart and the one soul of all believers. 
in the original context, he's looking at the uh, the sins of Israel and how that created divisions within the people and even with uh, their unity with God. And so he's uh, then goes into a discussion about how we still struggle with these issues within the life of the Church, and specifically looking at virtue and vice, uh, virtue and sin, and the way virtue unifies and sin divides. Well, these things are not uh, new revelations that come around mm. once the once the Church gets started in uh, the book of Acts. These things go back to the beginning, right? Uh, you know, there's a, just a, a great exploration mm. of, of how original sin uh, breaks our relationship with God, it breaks our relationship with creation, but it also breaks our relationship with one another. Why wouldn't it be the case that it would break our relationships with fellow Christians? Absolutely. I mean, we can see it right from the beginning with Adam and Eve when they start playing the blame game after the fall, and we see it throughout the life of the Church. What's interesting, what Origen does here, he's especially focusing on the question of virtue and vice, I mean, he's drawing on a fundamental understanding, first of all, of virtues, that the virtues, the habits, uh, these qualities, are what perfect our human nature, uh, on the one hand, right, courage and patience, uh, and especially the infused theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, uh, perfect our nature, but they also always uh, make us more, in his words and other fathers of the Church, more godlike. That is, he talks about, uh, Maximus the Confessor, excuse me, talks about Christ as being the essence of all the virtues. To know him is to know fully what these are. And when we come to a grow in them, uh, we become also more Christ-like. And this naturally unifies. It draws us deeper into the body of Christ, especially our outward movement in those virtues. Whereas vice eats away at our nature. It cuts away at it, and... And as we become more selfish, as we turn more inward with those sins, uh, it creates divisions, but it also scandalizes and pushes others away, especially if we're bearing the name of Christian. So it's really interesting the way he develops it through these ideas of virtue and sin, and shows us those as the sources of these divisions. Well, there is just so much to unpack as this passage goes on uh, into paragraph 818. You know, over at the Coming Home Network, we're working with all kinds of people, including lots of Protestant ministers uh, who mm -hmm. are exploring the Catholic Church and didn't even, like, think that that was something that was important, <laughs> right, to even mm -hmm. possibly process until some of them very recently. Uh, in 818 it says, However, one cannot charge with the sin of the separation— uh, and this is talking about divisions among Christians, those who at present are born into these communities that resulted from mm -hmm. se such separation, and in them are brought up in the faith of Christ. And the Catholic Church accepts them with respect and affection as brothers. You know, some of this mm -hmm. division and conflict comes from the fact that we remember stuff that our great-great-great-great-grandparents right. did to each other, <laughs> right? right? And that stuff right. sort of has a generational effect on division among Christians, and so you can just so easily. I mean, this this happens in wars too, right? It's so mm -hmm, easy to mm -hmm. say, "Well, you did this to us," and "Well, well, you did this back to us," and and just mm -hmm. going back and back over the grievances and the sins, and the conflict never ends that way. Right. That's the tragedy, of course, of sin. Uh, it's never just individual, right? Just what I do, but rather 
it cuts into a community and it becomes uh, a rift throughout history. And, and we wind up inheriting tragically these uh, these divisions uh, in each generation, which means really the only way we're going to heal those divisions, uh, in fact, is to individually and communally grow in holiness, uh, especially through the sacraments I and mean, confession, uh, the Eucharist, but also living out the, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy uh, in our lives. That's going to be what really heals those divisions when we come closer to Christ, uh, when we grow in that holiness and that imitation of Him. Well, this is something that Marcus Grodi said, uh, you know, over at our apostolate from the beginning, which is, if you are a Christian, and I am a Christian in the Catholic Church, and we both focus our energies not on necessarily you know, getting into these big fights, but we both decide that the most important thing for our relationship is that we both grow closer to Christ, then naturally, mm-hmm. as we both get closer to that, you know, that destination, we're going to get closer to each other, like two lines mm-hmm. of a triangle heading toward the same vertex. It, it is, I mean, and I've seen this personally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I get into a debate online with somebody, I don't really get much of anywhere, and that person doesn't get much of anywhere with me, but if we are working together and praying together, some interesting things can happen. Right. No, absolutely. I, can, I, I mean, that's why the work that you do is so important. And it's also important for every Christian to be conscious that uh, he or she is contributing to that by the way he or she lives, her, uh, lives their lives, right? That uh, we are giving witness to Christ, and the closer we draw to Christ, the more we will draw others to him, the more we will form that unity. Yeah, it is a, a great kind of refresher course on, you know, what we really want is to, to fulfill mm-hmm. Jesus's prayer um, right before he went to his crucifixion, that all his followers would be one. And uh, we are not that. <laughs> we could always <laughs> use the grace Seven, to, no. to, to get to that point. So thank you so much, Father Gavin, for unpacking this little passage of the Catechism. Again, it's paragraphs 817 and 818 we got into just a tad this morning as well, looking at what Origen had to say about that. Thanks so much, Father John Gavin. We've got your book linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. God bless. All right, it's 14 till. We're back right after this. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. 
and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Daily Dose of Encouragement, hosted by Patty Schneier, provides insightful and inspirational thoughts by bringing spiritual insights to everyday living. You can hear Daily Dose of Encouragement as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Carlo will be here. Two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has called for an end to the attacks and violence as war is now taking place in Israel after surprise attacks from Hamas over the weekend. Pope Francis, in his Sunday Angelus Address Catechesis, reflected on the parable of the wicked servants, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. And the Nobel Prize in Economics has been awarded to a Harvard professor, Claudia Golden. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Next one in about 13-ish minutes from now. As the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, it's 11 till. Joseph Pierce joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's with the Augustine Institute. You can find him online at jpierce.co. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Anna. So October 9th is the feast of St. John Henry Newman. And, you know, I'd say we most often talk about him in terms of him as a writer and an intellectual Ultimately, Joseph, that's not what gets someone to heaven. So what would you say was at the heart of John Henry Newman's sanctity? Uh, great question. And, and as you might say, it's his feast day today. Obviously, you know, that it being clever doesn't get anybody to heaven. Um, being a great writer doesn't get anybody to heaven. Um, it's it's uh, John Henry Newman's sanctity um, which gets him to heaven and the sacrifice he made for the faith and for the church. Uh, not least of which was his conversion in 1845, because at that time in England, the Catholic Church was still basically looked down upon. It only, it only Catholic emancipation had only happened 16 years earlier. Um, the Catholics were very much looked upon as second-class citizens. So for someone like Newman, who was already a celebrity, was already lionized, and was predicted to have had a, a great career within the Anglican Church, possibly going all the way to Archbishop of Canterbury, to throw all that away, all that worldly career away, uh, and suffer um, the slings and arrows of contempt, which, he, which, which, which is what he did suffer when he was received into the church in 1845, uh, marked him, if you like, as someone willing to lay down his life for his friends. And, and that is the no greater love which gets someone to heaven. And, I mean, he can count among his friends now hundreds, thousands of people that came home to the church thanks to John Henry Newman. Yes, I mean, the, his influence on the culture it really is inestimable. You can't really 
quantify it, but, but what you can say is that really the Catholic cultural revival in the English-speaking world can be, can be put down to numerous conversion. I mean, prior to that, there were little things happening, stirrings happening, a sort of a, a neo-medievalist subculture emerging, but, but it was numerous conversion in 1845 which really put Catholicism back on the map. Uh, in the English-speaking world, and there were literally hundreds uh, of converts to the faith immediately following him in his wake, and thousands and tens of thousands influenced by him um, uh, in the 150 years or so since then. How do you think his commitment to intellectual honesty, um, particularly when it comes to matters of faith, how should that serve as a model for all of us? Well, I think, you know, we, 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 we know that we see a, a, a new rise of secularism, and, and with, with secularism always comes an anti-Christianity, and it's always the Catholic Church that takes the brunt of such secularism. But what we do see in Newman's example is someone willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary to his own personal career, his own personal comfort, in order to be true to the the truth of the church uh, and and Christ's promise to the church. So um, he does show us the the necessity of self-sacrifice, and I think that's something we always have to keep at the forefront of our minds and hearts in a world which is largely hostile to Christ. What does St. John Henry Newman mean to you personally? Well, uh, I have a, certainly a great devotion to him. Um, his book, uh, The Apologia Pro Vita Sua, his, his conversion story, was a significant influence on my own path to Rome, as was his novel, Loss and Gain. Um, so I owe a great debt of gratitude to him as, a, as an individual. As an Englishman, you know, he's the first saint to be canonized uh, since the Reformation, uh, English saint. So he, he's someone that obviously I have a natural affinity towards as a countryman of mine, and one who's helped to bring so many of my own countrymen back to the true faith. So, yeah, he's someone who's very high up in my, in, in my, um, yeah, my devotion. Well, we said, you know, cleverness and, and being a good writer um, are not the, the criteria which would get someone to heaven, but they are gifts that the Lord gives to people. And John Henry Newman really used those gifts, didn't he? Yes. I mean, he was a really gifted writer. We should remember that. The, 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 the critic George Levine considered him the greatest prose stylist of the Victorian era. Now, when you re- remember and recall what a great era in, in writing and literature the Victorian era was, and Chesterton wrote a book called The Victorian Age in Literature, it was a golden age in literature. And, and for, any, for any critic to say that Newman was the greatest writer from that period, it, it says it all. So but he used the, 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 that those wonderful gifts as a pro stylist um, to to speak and preach the truth and to bring people to the truth through the goodness and beauty of the English language and um, that's something for which all of us should be should, should be very grateful and of course as a theologian what he took what he what he taught about the development of doctrine allows us to un- understand uh, de- legitimate development within uh, within the, the uh, constraints of uh, of tradition uh, a rooted if you the rootedness of development is something again uh, as a theologian we we the church owes a great deal to him and I, I would like to think that he may even become a doctor of the church at some point I was just going to ask you that Joseph did you read my mind? <laughs> yeah, well, we great, great minds think alike, obviously, Anna. Well, what would you recommend reading to celebrate his feast day today, Joseph? 
Well, I mean, he, he, he's a difficult writer. If you don't have a lot of time, I, I, I would check out my book, Poems Every Catholic Should Know, and, and read the section of Newman's poems in there, about seven or eight uh, pages of it. Uh, you can look it up online. The Pilgrim Queen, uh, about the Blessed Virgin, is probably my, my favorite poem by Newman. Maybe they, people could read that. If you have more time, pick up his wonderful Apologia Pro Vita Sua, The Apology for His Life, which is his conversion story, which is just wonderful. We've been talking to Joseph Pierce, and uh, John Henry Newman features prominently in literature what every Catholic should know and poems what every Catholic should know. I'd almost forgotten about that one, Joseph. That's a great one. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Joseph, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure as always, Anna. God bless you. You too, Joseph. Thank you. And, of course, you can find jpierce.co linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Matt, anything you want to comment about John Henry Newman? And I'm just going to do a quick count here. I was going <clears> to <throat> say, did you, like, go and see how many people um, mentioned John Henry in. Newman on your website? So I'm going to chnetwork.org, typing in John Henry Newman in the search Bar. How many results do you get? Uh, a lot. So let's see, 12 per page uh, times 14. Whatever, whatever 12 times 14 is. Well, 12 times 12 is 144. 12 times 14. So, so 168 conversion stories that explicitly talk about Newman's. Wow. Newman's sort of pivotal influence. Wow. Yeah. I'd say about three quarters of those were Anglicans. But <laughs> I believe it. You can check them all out at chnetwork.org. we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up here after the break. Please do stay with us. It's 3 Till. It is Monday, the 9th of October. It's the Feast of St. John Henry Newman, among others. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are your people who walk the desert road to the promised land. Keep us faithful to the demands of the journey today. We are your people called to follow Jesus, our Lord. Make us steadfast disciples, freed from all that would hold us back. We are your people, destined for the heavenly Jerusalem. Give us strength to go on when we grow weary of the journey. O Lord, as we travel through this day of our life, our strength is in you. In our hearts are the roads to our eternal destination, the place where you dwell forever with your people in joy and in peace. Sustain us as we pass through the bitter valleys of suffering. Shield us as dangers threaten. Let us rejoice in the springs of living water that refresh us on our way and keep us faithful until journey's end. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Henry Newman, pray for us. Also there on the calendar today, too, St. Dennis and Companions and St. John Leonardi, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being with us on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, well, I should probably also remind you, you can watch us online at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click there's a link in the show notes to the video stream. Travis is working on that. Teresa Tamio will join us live from Italy. Also, Brendan Hodge on Ohio abortion statistics ahead of issue one on the ballot. 
this November. Father Patrick Briscoe is along with us as well from Our Sunday Visitor. And Stephanie Mann will talk about why John Henry Newman, she thinks, should get a more prominent place on the American liturgical calendar. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Pope Francis is calling for an end to the attacks and violence in Israel after surprise attacks from Hamas and Israeli retaliation over the weekend. Deaths are mounting after Hamas's coordinated attack on Israel. More than a thousand Israelis and Palestinians have been killed, while officials have confirmed some American casualties as well. Israel, which has responded with airstrikes in Gaza, formally declared war on the militant group yesterday. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed that Israel would take, quote, mighty vengeance as his country embarks on a long and difficult war that was, quote, forced upon us. The Israeli government says Hamas has taken at least 100 civilians hostage. Meantime, the Pentagon is moving U.S. Navy ships and military aircraft closer to Israel in a show of support. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis called for an end to the attacks and violence in Israel. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more. Please stop the attacks and the weapons and understand that terrorism and war do not lead to any solution, but only to the death and suffering of so many innocent people. War, he said, is always a defeat. Every war is a defeat. Speaking after the Angelus Prayer on Sunday, the Holy Father said he is following with apprehension and his sorrow the latest news from Israel, where violence has erupted even more ferociously, causing hundreds of deaths and injuries. The Pope expressed his sympathy to the families of victims and said he's praying for them and for all those who are experiencing hours of terror and anguish. The Pope invited everyone to pray for peace in Israel and Palestine. Fresh violence erupted unexpectedly in the Holy Land on Saturday when Palestinian Hamas militants launched a surprise attack on Israel, firing hundreds of rockets and launching armed incursions into Israel. Israel immediately launched retaliatory airstrikes, and the nation's prime minister said his country is at war. I'm Christopher Wells. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants. He said that ingratitude leads to violence. The death toll is rising after a pair of powerful earthquakes rocked Afghanistan. The Taliban says more than 2,000 people were killed and 9,000 others injured. The first quake hit western Afghanistan on Saturday, registering 6.3 on the Richter scale. That was followed by a 6.1 magnitude quake. A spokesman for the Taliban's Ministry of Disasters says more than 1,300 houses were damaged or destroyed. United Auto Workers Union members at the Volvo Group-owned Mack Trucks are set to go on strike today after rejecting a tentative contract agreement. Mark Mayfield has more. In a letter Sunday, UAW President Sean Fain said a majority of workers voted against the deal, which included a 19% pay raise. The union represents roughly 4,000 workers in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Florida. This comes as thousands of UAW members across at least 20 states remain on strike against the big three U.S. automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
And many banks and government offices will be closed today in observance of Columbus Day. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citibank will be closed, although Chase and TD Bank will be open. The markets on Wall Street will also be open. The post office will be closed, but FedEx and UPS will be running as usual. Kind of interesting. All right. Well, there you have it. We are not closed here, though. No, we're open for the Feast of St. John Henry Newman. Many Catholic institutions closed on Columbus Day in observance. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati, for instance, not here. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, federal government's all closed around me, too. (laughs) We have a new um, employee here at Sacred Heart Radio, and on Friday... After I had a fourth guest email me saying I'm taking Columbus Day off, I can't be on the show, I announced that I wanted to um, petition for Columbus Day off here on the Sunrise Morning Show, and she actually went to our boss and tried. Oh, well. (laughs) It's not a holy day of obligation, we don't get it off, and we don't even get most of those off. It was almost like a hazing experience, you know? She's not even been here for a oh, week. Oh, you should have told her how that was going to go before you let her go in there. <sighs> uh, so good. So yeah, good. Anyway, but mornings, we do honor. Morning radio. We do, in fact, honor Christopher Columbus, who allowed for the gospel to be brought to the Americas. Well, his and voyage. you've got, you've so. got uh, of course, John Henry Newman, and mm-hmm. you've got uh, St. Dennis and Companions. You've got John Leonardi, an yeah. Italian. St. Dennis. Got, he's... He's the one who carried Paris, his own head away from around his, Paris with his head. He was beheaded in the just if you see statues with him, he's holding his own head. Mm-hmm. So it's a good Halloween. Just you know, all I don't think there's Day any costume. statues of the people who killed him. Nope, don't think Saint so. Dennis, pray for us. Pray for us. Teresa Tamio now joining us from EWT and Anabe Maria Radio's Catholic Connection in Rome this morning. Good morning, Teresa. Hey, good morning. So I flew back from the United States, and boy, are my arms tired. I always wanted to say that. <laughs> that old oh, joke. Well, there but you I go. Was in, yeah, I was in uh, Jefferson City, Missouri over the weekend for a beautiful women's conference and met the bishop, Bishop Ignite there, a wonderful man of God who spent a great deal of time uh, witnessing to the women on Saturday about Our Lady of the Rosary, and it was a great conference all about being defined by God and being fortified by the Eucharist. So it's a great event. And then uh, got on a plane yesterday, and now we're in Rome, and uh, Kelly Walquist and I are ready to start the Wine and Shrine trip in a couple of days. So we're all excited. Well, I wanted to ask you something. Since it's the Feast of St. John Henry Newman, I wanted to know if this had ever uh-huh. happened to you. Because uh, Newman spent a little bit of time in Rome, uh, 1846 to 1847, that academic year. And uh, uh-huh. he, was a, he was a baby Catholic at the time, just figuring his way out around things. And uh, apparently he had uh, a meeting with Pope Pius IX in his first meeting. Um, and apparently when Newman, who was still getting the hang of papal etiquette, bent down to kiss uh, Pope Pius IX's foot and banged his head on the Pope's knee. Has this ever happened to you? Or you? No, I, 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 that would be a great privilege if I could get that close. But no, I haven't. I thought you were going to say something like that, that uh, he got lost or something, which Kelly Walquist uh, he probably I, did that despite too. all the pilgrimages we did. Yeah, we do that very well. Even after you've been to Rome as often as we have, you can turn a corner and you're into a totally different place and, and you lose your way. But now I never heard that story. That's really neat. Well, there you go. Well, it, by the way, if you see two Americans uh, wandering around completely lost, my in-laws have made their first trip to Rome. They're over there right now, so keep an eye out for really? them. Really? They may be wandering awesome. aimlessly. So are they staying mainly the... here in Rome? Or 
I think so, at least for a little bit. I'll have to send you a little picture so you can flag him down if you see him or something. And then you see these, these two crazy ladies from America chasing them down like, the oh, street no. and saying that we know their son. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you there you go. But no, it's so, a beautiful day here in Rome. It's eighty degrees, Matt. If you can believe it or not, eighty well, degrees got, here in it Rome. It got cold here. You guys got uh, got great weather. I know. But what are you What are you and Kelly going to yep. be up to today? Well, we are right now. This is a funny story, but since everybody thinks uh, travel is so glamorous, we were supposed to go back up to Umbria for a few days of prayer and reflection. But Kelly's luggage didn't make it from her flight, and so we had to hang around here in Rome. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, we love Rome. But so we're just literally waiting for the plane to come in to get her luggage, and then we're going to go back up to Umbria, and we're going to be meeting a group on, on Saturday, and that's where our pilgrimage begins. We're going to begin our pilgrimage in Todi, the beautiful historical town of Todi, spending three nights there. We're going to go to Orvieto for the Eucharistic Miracle of Bolsena, and then we're also going to be going to Assisi and some other areas. So the pilgrimage doesn't begin until officially on Saturday, but we always like to come a few days early and just kind of you know chill and give ourselves some downtime, go over the itinerary, and really just pray more for the ladies who are coming with us. So, yeah, we're we're here right now in Rome. It's a very exciting day, waiting for luggage at Fumachino Airport. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> That's it's, our a shame. Today, so. it's a shame that Kelly's not there with someone who knows how to shop Rome in case the baggage doesn't well, get there. Well, you know, it's so funny you should say that. We're going to offer it up and see what kind of shoes we can find for Kelly. Oh. <laughs> She's right here. You can say hi real quick. Oh, sure, I'm why not? We phone. never Hold get on. to talk to Kelly. Hold Hello, how are you? Hey, Kelly, how's it going? Is Teresa telling the truth about all the things that you're doing? I just need to verify this through a second witness. Yes, I am the second witness. It is, ver- it is verifiable. We are on the streets of Rome right now waiting for luggage to get going back to the airport, but enjoying all the sights and the sounds and the smells and the taste. It's been so far so good. Well, uh, I was just going to ask you, are you going to be, I, I mean, Teresa's doing a lot of Catholic Connection stuff from Italy over the course of these past several weeks. Are you going to be able to do some joining of Teresa on Catholic Connection while you're over there? I hope so. I, I'm pretty sure. Love to be on the radio with her. It's, it's pretty easy to be talking to your sister on the radio, especially about the things you love. And one of those things is obviously Rome and Italy and everything about it. And we have a great group coming with us. We've got 46 women joining with us on oh, Saturday. Wow. So we're getting prepared for them to take them throughout um, all of Italy. Is the wine, it's called Wine and Shrine. So all the, see all the beautiful shrines on this pilgrimage. Well, let me ask you then, uh, since we've only got a moment left, before you hand the phone back to Teresa, do you have a favorite shrine that you like to take people to or that you like to go and sneak off to and pray? Oh, my favorite place is Santa Maria Sopra Minerva. So it's right across from the Pantheon. It's the only Gothic church in Rome. And it's where you can visit Catherine of Siena. But it's it's just so beautiful. It is it's my favorite. I mean, I know we've got all these all these wonderful churches in Rome, but that's that's my favorite one. So all I'll right. leave you on that and hand you back to tea. How's that? Sounds pretty good to me. All right, thanks, Matt. God bless. You too, Kelly. All right. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to figure out where we're gonna be a week from today, uh, on the trip. Will you be in Tody or Orvieto? So It'll be fun when you call next week. We'll have some real descriptive stuff to yeah. talk about. Yeah, I hope you're getting about. some some pictures too, because uh, you know that's a that's a Eucharistic miracle site. So, yes, we are. We're going to be touring the the uh, Basilica of uh, Orvieto first thing in the morning. We're having mass there actually, and Deacon Dom is going to be with us for that. And then we have a wonderful guide, Isabetta, who's amazing, and she's going to explain to the ladies why the facade of the church is so detailed because it was literally painting the Bible for people. That's how they learned their faith. And then she walks us inside in all the different chapels and especially explains the beautiful chapel where the, or- uh, the Eucharistic Miracle is housed. So, yeah, so hopefully 
If you give us a ring on Monday, God willing, a week from today, we'll be in what a be lovely. Well, very cool. And uh, you be safe out there. Find uh, find that luggage, and if you don't, I'll make sure that you take care of Kelly over there. Well, can you um, please pray to St. Anthony, have listeners pray to St. Anthony for Kelly? We've been praying to him all morning to make sure that luggage arrives on the, mean, uh, the, the flight from Amsterdam. He's partial to Italian causes, so I'm guessing so. True, and she's with an Italian, so it should work, I'm thinking. It should work. It should work. Works every time. Works every time. Teresa Tamio, thank you so much for joining us from Italia, and we'll be praying for safe travels for those pilgrims that are meeting you later this week and for Kelly's luggage to land safely. Have a great day. (laughs) Thank you. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Of course, Teresa is on weekdays on EWTN. Catholic Connection is a uh, co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio. And, uh, yeah, it is live radio. And if you ever doubted that, just, uh, just go back and listen to that segment. 14 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant Revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellarmine had not his equal for learning. He died in 1621. To find out more about the Doctors of the Church, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. As the death toll mounts after Hamas's coordinated attack on Israel and Israel's retaliation over the weekend, Pope Francis is calling for peace and an end to the violence in Israel. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. And many banks and government offices are closed today in observance of Columbus Day. Again, today the Feast of St. John Henry Newman, and uh, he is famous for a lot of things, um, but uh, we, we invoke him often at the Coming Home Network. Tonight on The Journey Home, the story we're telling is of Mother Petra, who is a oh, Byzantine nice. 
sister yeah. at a monastery in Ohio, and uh, she grew up Wesleyan. Uh, went to Indiana Wesleyan, has a uh, family full of Wesleyan church planters and pastors mm-hmm. and missionaries. What and, is the difference between Wesleyan and Methodist? Because okay, so John Methodists Wesley founded, founded the Methodist yeah. church. Right. Uh, Wesleyans tend to be more, uh, more kind of low church. Okay. But very much into like the holiness tradition, like living a life of holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, is that more what you had? I was more in the Wesleyan holiness tradition through the Nazarenes, which are a separate kind of slightly charismatic-ish. Wow. Well, they're more like more like 19th century charismatic than 20th century charismatic. Sure. Okay. And then Free Methodist was part of my background, too, and they've got roots wow. before the Civil War, their particular split. But it all comes through like Wesleyanism all has – Anglican roots. Wesley, John Wesley went to reform the Anglican church. Interestingly enough, that's also what John Henry Newman went to do. It's just that when John Wesley went to reform the Church of England, he ended up starting a movement that was separate from the Church of England, whereas when John Henry Newman went to try and figure out how to reform the the uh, Church of England by going back to the roots, he ended up uh, finding out the Catholic church the Catholic was church. actually the roots. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, and, and Marcus points this out a lot. Uh, there's a there's an often misunderstood Marcus Grodi. Marcus Grodi. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that you know people will toss this idea out that to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant, and it is a uh, it is a John line Henry Newmanism. That John Henry Newman actually said, mm-hmm. but Marcus always likes to point out he didn't say to be deep in history is to become Catholic, <laughs> yeah. because you could go deep in history. And not come to the conclusion that John Henry Newman went yeah. uh, to, which is to, to enter the Catholic Church. Um, but what Newman says in the context of that is like, if there's one thing that's clear, it's that if there was anything resembling modern Protestantism in the early church, it has been completely wiped out so that z- zero trace of it appears anywhere yeah. in those first several centuries of the church. Can't find Protestantism. Nope. So he would say... Unless, yeah, history, unless you want to count heretics as the Protestants. Yeah, but those are those yeah. are typically they don't count not Christians, right? Because they not tend truly. to yeah they tend to either diminish the incarnation or the divinity of Jesus mm-hmm. or reject them entirely. Whereas I believe every Protestant listening right now believes in the full humanity and full divinity of Jesus. Sure, I'm just they really are. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Oh yeah. At any rate, so next time you hear that quote, don't just assume. That studying church history will make you Catholic. But do know that uh, you will probably, like I did, discover that the uh, the modern Protestant stuff is not there, not present mm-hmm. in those early centuries of Christianity. John Henry Newman, pray for us. Chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through SunriseMorningShow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through SunriseMorningShow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have been not at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this Columbus Day, the feast of St. John Henry Newman. Pray for us. Brendan Hodge joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar as well. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And the Ohio Department of Health recently released the 2022 abortion report for the state and uh, wanted to talk to you about this to get some of the data from there as Ohio is looking ahead to the November election with issue one, which if passed would enshrine a right to abortion in the state constitution. And... um, yeah, I think some of these numbers will have some, I don't know, some force in terms of um, how people look at what is at stake in Ohio. So what was the total for the year in terms of abortions in Ohio in 2022, and how does that compare to recent years in the state? So in Ohio in 2022, there were 18,488 abortions. Um that represents an abortion rate of 7.8 abortions per thousand reproductive age women. Um, and that actually represents a significant decrease, an 18% decrease from the previous year in 2021 when there were more than 20,000 abortions. Um, Ohio, like a lot of the country, had seen a trend over um, sort of over the long period that abortions increased rapidly in the 1970s, peaked in 1982, and then kind of went on a long, slow decline. So you can see the efforts of pro-life laws and pro-life culture in Ohio to reduce abortions from a high of just over 45,000 in 1982, when, of course, there were also fewer people in Ohio. So that, that was a much higher abortion rate, down to about 20,000 in the last 10 years since 
2012. And then uh, what we saw last year is that there was a drop from that uh, 20,000 number to 18,000. Now, Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned. So June 24th, 2022, the Ohio Attorney General got a judge to unblock the heartbeat law that had been on the books for I don't remember how long, but obviously could not go into effect with with Roe being the law of the land. So it was in effect from June 24th until September 14th when a judge blocked it, claiming that it was against the Ohio Constitution. Now, um, I know the abortion report doesn't uh, break this down month by month, so I guess we can't really say this for sure, Brendan, but do you think it's likely that this huge drop um, from 2021 to 2022 um, could at least in part be due to the heartbeat law? I do think that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, There aren't really a lot of other factors that we would see which would cause such a dramatic change. And one thing that does stand out is um, the report does break down the number of abortions by the point in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So it it looks at the difference between abortions that took place before nine weeks, nine to 12 weeks, 13 to 18 weeks, 19 to 20, and then 21 plus. And what we see is that there was a significantly larger decrease in those later-term abortions, so abortions after nine weeks, whereas there was a fairly small decrease in abortions before nine weeks. Mm. So I think that we were seeing that heartbeat bill come into effect and uh, and significantly reduce the number of abortions later in the pregnancy while having an effect, but less of an effect, on the number of abortions in those first nine weeks. And this is significant because if issue one in Ohio were to fail, which means that abortion would not be enshrined in the Ohio Constitution, presumably a judge would not be able to continue blocking the heartbeat law any further. So um, that could go into effect and presumably see another large decrease in the amount of abortions in Ohio. Do you think? Yes. Yes, precisely. So could you talk more about the number of abortions that were performed um, on out-of-state residents? I think this is also significant, uh, given that Indiana and Kentucky um, both have abortion bans, so there would be uh, women coming in from out-of-state, presumably in Ohio. Yes, that's that's an interesting thing that we see here. So when we look at the abortions performed on Ohio residents, uh, those went down from 20,700 to 17,200. So a drop of um, 3,500. However, when we look at the number of abortions performed on out-of-state residents, those actually increased in 2022 by about 200. So they went from 1,100 to 1,300. And uh, probably what we are seeing there is that uh, an additional 200 women came in from out of state in order to receive abortions in Ohio. Mm. Uh, Just quickly, Brendan, anything else that that stands out in this report to you um, in light of issue one coming up next month? I think the other thing that really stands out here is the importance of uh, providing pro-life support to women in pregnancy at the 
by far the largest number of women who received abortions were unmarried women in their 20s who already had one or two children and were not using any kind of contraception when they got pregnant. Wow. So those are the people who are needing help, and those are people who don't have a lot of support in society. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Brendan Hodge, really appreciate you looking into this. We've got the Darwin Catholic blog linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis has called for an end to the attacks and violence in Israel. This coming after surprise attacks from Hamas and Israeli retaliation over the weekend. The deaths are mounting after Hamas's coordinated attack on Israel. More than a 1,000 Israelis and Palestinians have been killed, while officials have confirmed some American casualties. Israel, which has responded with airstrikes in Gaza, formally declared war on the militant group yesterday. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed that Israel would take mighty vengeance. Meanwhile, President Biden is sending additional assistance to Israel following Saturday's deadly attacks by Hamas militants. Mark Mayfield has more. The White House says the president spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Sunday and told him more aid will follow in the coming days. Meanwhile, the Pentagon is moving U.S. Navy ships and military aircraft closer to Israel in a show of support. A spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces confirmed at least 700 people have been killed in Israel. Palestinian officials reported more than 400 dead after Israeli airstrikes on Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield. Several major U.S. airlines canceled flights to Israel because of the ongoing conflict. American, United, and Delta Airlines canceled weekend flights to Tel Aviv from major U.S. cities, including Chicago, New York, Newark, and San Francisco. A spokesperson for Delta said the airline would work with the U.S. government to assist with the safe return of any Americans who want to come home. Pope Francis, during his Sunday Angelus address to the faithful in St. Peter's Square, said terrorism and war would only bring further death and suffering to innocent people and not solve any problems. The Holy Father said war is only a defeat, and he urged the people to pray for peace in Israel and in Palestine. He specifically encouraged the faithful to pray the rosary in this month of October dedicated to the Holy Rosary for peace, for peace in Israel as well as in Ukraine. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Pope reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. From Vatican Radio, Sister Bernadette Reese reports. Reflecting on this parable, Pope Francis said that the tenants should have been grateful for what they received and for how they had been treated. Instead, ingratitude gave rise to greed and a progressive sense of rebellion grew within them, leading them to see the situation in a distorted way, to feel that the owner was in their debt rather than that they were in debt to the owner who had given them work. And thus the Pope said, from being tenants, they become assassins. Pope Francis went on to explain that in this parable, Jesus reminds us what happens when a person deceives him or herself into thinking that what he or she does, they do on their own, and they forget to be grateful. This attitude, the Pope said, can lead to dissatisfaction, misunderstandings, resentment, and ultimately violence. Yes, dear brothers and sisters, he said, ungratefulness generates violence, while a simple thank you can bring back peace.
The Holy Father invited us to ask ourselves if we are aware that life and faith, our very selves and everything we have, come from the grace of the Lord, and if in response to grace we know how to say thank you. Pope Francis concluded his Angelus reflection with a prayer that the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose soul glorifies the Lord, might help us to make gratitude the light that dawns daily in our hearts. I'm Sister Bernadette Reese. The death toll is rising after a pair of powerful earthquakes rocked Afghanistan. The Taliban says more than 2,000 people were killed, 9,000 others injured. The first quake hit western Afghanistan on Saturday, registering 6.3 on the Richter scale, and that was followed by a 6.1 quake. A spokesperson for the Taliban's Ministry of Disasters said more than 1,300 houses were damaged or destroyed. United Auto Workers Union members at the Volvo Group-owned Mack Trucks are set to go on strike this morning after rejecting a tentative contract agreement. In a letter yesterday, UAW President Sean Fain said a majority of workers voted against the deal. It had included a 19 percent pay raise. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the... The Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. St. Paul was known for his great courage, compassion, and zeal for spreading the gospel. He was also known as having a bit of a temper. Paul does not hesitate to raise his voice when he sees Christians in danger. In chapter 3 of the letter to the Galatians, St. Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? These people of Galatia were being tempted to turn away from Christ and back to the Jewish law. And this movement was succeeding. Paul is beside himself that the Galatians seem to be rejecting Christ. He sees the seriousness of their action while they do not appear to see it. To move away from Christ Jesus, once you have accepted the faith, is a dangerous thing that has serious consequences. To move away from Jesus or desire things other than Jesus is to move away from salvation. The action of the people of Galatia produced some harsh words from St. Paul. These words were not meant to wound, but to help them wake up and see what they have and what they have given away if they turn away from Christ. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor. And you can find him linked at osv.com. We've got him put up there at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Father Briscoe, how are you? Hey, good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. 
Great to be with you as well. There's so many things going on in the calendar. Um, I tend to uh, take a look at John Henry Newman because of uh, my personal uh, connection to Newman on my path into the church. Uh, Do you guys do anything big for Newman with the Dominicans? Because if I recall correctly, wasn't he baptized by a Dominican? Or confirmed by one, rather. That's a great question. You know, I have to admit, my Newman knowledge is extraordinarily lacking. I, I do know this, though, that the intellectual conference that was held around Newman's canonization was hosted by the Dominicans at the Angelicum in Rome. So you know we're certainly we're certainly paying our our homage now. We might say. <laughs> I'm realizing that uh, the dumb the person who confirmed him. I, I I know why I got this mixed up. Was actually a passionist, uh, but his name was Dominic. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so, there we go. Okay. <laughs> he was he was Dominican only in uh, by virtue of uh, the person he took the name of. But uh, let's talk about another. Uh, blessed uh, Carlo Acutis, and you've got some interesting connections here to explore and share with us this morning. Tell us about that. Well, October, as you're pointing out, is just such a great month for saints, and one of the one of the saints that we're going to celebrate pretty soon on October 12th is Blessed Carlo Acutis. And if you haven't heard of Blessed Carlo, uh, let me just tell you, there is so much about his life that is truly extraordinary. Blessed Carlo is the first millennial to be on the path. So I I feel very connected to Blessed Carlo just because of that fact alone. You know, this is the guy who's coming up from my generation. But I remember back in high school when Blessed Carlo launched his website on Eucharistic Miracles. It was the kind of thing that was being talked about, and my my catechism teacher actually knew about it and referred to it. And so I was on Blessed Carlo's website, you know, thousands of miles away while he was working on it. So uh, so blessed Car- part of Blessed Carlos' story is that he was a, a computer geek. He was really, really into tech. He knew a lot about coding uh, and, and really had a, had a true expertise there. And he used that interest to make catechetical websites in the early 2000s, which was, you know, groundbreaking stuff 20 years ago. Well, when you think about what people do to make websites now, I mean, you can go on some page builder and... You know, you can know next to nothing about the internet and get on Canva and make cool graphics and, uh, you know, have your own little homepage and GoFundMe or whatever it is that you want to do. And Carlo was coding, man. He was doing, like, the original stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. My wife and I actually did a short um, bio about Carlo for uh, Liguri Publications back uh, it's been, gosh, I guess it's been like two years now. And it's just fascinating to see all the layers of relatability with Carlo. I think um, he sort of breaks down this sense that, you know, if you're going to be a person serious about the Catholic faith and living the sacraments, then you can't have any fun or live a normal life. When in fact, uh, here's a kid who was into soccer. Here's a kid who played video games, a kid who, you know, was trying to figure out how to do a uh, do okay in class, uh, you know, wanted to hang out with his friends, like to eat gelato. Like, you can be a person who's kind of normal and live the sacramental life and be a holy person at the same time. I know this doesn't, this shouldn't sound crazy, but I think for some of us it does feel like weird that a normal person could be a saint. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, part, part of the reason why Carlo feels so close to us is he's, he's close to us in time. But he's close to us by by, dis, by disposition, like you're suggesting. I, I, I had the occasion actually um, Monday of last week to preach 
to Blessed Carlo's mother during a mass at Catholic University of America about Blessed Carlo, which is pretty, which is pretty wild. So preaching, uh, you talk about having mother. a fact checker in the audience. My goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was certainly, it was certainly, I was certainly a little nervous for that reason. But, but, um, but being so devoted to Blessed Carlo, I was more excited than anything else. And it was the Feast of Guardian Angels. He had a great devotion to the Guardian Angel, as you, as you know. So, so that was an added gift of providence. So I had something easy to say there. But, uh, but it's the case that uh, the Blessed Carlo was fully alive. That's what everyone testifies to. That's what his mother says. That's what his parish priest says. That this, this was a boy that, that was just living, that was living life, that was living life to the full. And it was that, it was that that made him so, um, so appealing to people. I mean, he wasn't holier than thou. He was never judgmental. He often defended classmates when they were being made fun of or, or excluded. And um, so he was known for, for being generous. And, and he was okay with the times that being faithful, the times that uh, really living the faith ostracized him. And he lived those moments, those moments well. Um, never, never betraying the church, never betraying what he thought was right. Yeah, little things um, that I discovered as I was putting together his story, like when some of his classmates would make you know disrespectful comments about the girls at the pool or whatever, he'd be like, "Hey guys, uh, that's not cool." <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't. That's not how you say it in Italian. But he would, I mean, he would stand up for those little moral opportunities, those little moral moments. Um, there's another story that I found about how he had walked all, all the way up the hill in a CZ to go buy a gelato and got halfway down the hill in the middle of the summer and realized they'd uh, given him too much change back. So he walked all the way back up the hill and uh, gave back the change. These are not, like, massive decisions, right? These are not, like, massive, heroic moments of martyrdom, but they do take a little bit of effort, man, a little bit of virtue, a little bit of, uh, you know, you trying to make the right thing when the easy thing would be right in front of you, which is to just let it go and live your life. But but he took those opportunities. Yeah, that's exactly right. Pursuing virtue, and, and that that was huge for Blessed Carlo. He did so intentionally. I think that that a lot of us are tempted to just kind of hope that if we bumble along, we'll live a good enough life. Uh, but that wasn't the way that Blessed Carlo lived. You know, he he was very intentional about pursuing virtue and about growing uh, always in the spiritual life and. In the way that he lived, and so it was that kind of uh, it, it was that that sense of determination, really, that, that drove really that drove him um, in pursuit of holiness. So, after giving that you know little exposition on the life of Carlo, did you get to actually talk to his mom? Did she review you? Did she did she tell you how it, how it <laughs> went? Or oh yes, we uh, we spent quite a bit of time together. Actually, we walked across campus and then attended a dinner. And uh, in that conversation, I asked her. You know, a number of questions, but but uh, but my favorite was I asked her if she had a favorite Eucharistic miracle, and she started to say because of course Blessed Carlo was very devoted to spreading the word about Eucharistic miracles, right? And she started to say, well, Luciano, because it's the original, and then she paused and she said, no, actually, Sococa, because because of the heart tissue, she thought it was so beautiful that 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 Eucharistic ghost was transformed into the heart of Christ. So I was very moved by that. Well, very cool. Uh, not often that you get to meet the mom of a saint. You know, Carla was born in 1991, meaning that Paul Lockman, who dialed you up on the line this morning, is a year older than Carla would be right now. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a guy who's, you know, a 
a fairly young guy. Wouldn't even be. Uh, I mean, he's. It's just fascinating. I mean, when they were interviewing his friends, uh, you know, ahead of his beatification, I saw these guys. I'm like, these kids, these are kids. Like, it's it's wild. Uh, and so, if Carlo can make it, uh, I feel like some of us Gen Xers have a shot too. <laughs> There's hope for Gen Xers. They can be saved if millennials can. If millennials can be saved, anybody can be saved. I mean, come on, <laughs> let's be honest, Father. Well, thank you so much, Father Patrick Briscoe. We've got our Sunday visitor linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. All right, we're back right after this. It's a quarter till. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Carlo will be here. Two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is calling for an end to the violence in Israel after the surprise attacks from Hamas and Israeli retaliation over the weekend. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Pope reflected on the parable of the wicked tenants, saying that ingratitude leads to violence. And the death toll has been rising after a pair of powerful earthquakes rocked Afghanistan over the weekend. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She has got a blog called Supremacy and Survival, and uh, she's also got a book of the same name called Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning. Well, we are celebrating the Feast of St. John Henry Newman because it's his feast on the calendar, but anybody who goes to Mass this morning or has already gone 
we'll probably not hear him mentioned right. officially in the prayers because, uh, at least on the U.S. Sure. calendar, you've got St. Denison Companions and St. John Leonardi, uh, which is kind of strange because St. John Henry Newman's kind of a big deal, and you think that maybe it's worth taking another look at getting him on there, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, he, yeah, you're right. He's not on even as an optional memorial, and so he, I think he should be his feast should be honored on this date uh, with a, a memorial. That would be then the obligatory mass for the day. I think there are at least three good reasons that I came up with. And one is that, I guess I, I take them out of the order that I posted them, but I think the one that's the biggest one is both miracles that occurred that through his intercession, both for his beatification and for his canonization, came from Americans, from people in the United States of America who had heard about him. Actually, they heard about him from a program on EWTN and had started their devotion to him in some way because of that. And they thought when, when they were facing health crises, they, both of them, a deacon and a, 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 young, a mother uh, facing a, a crisis in her pregnancy, thought immediately to pray to John Henry Newman to heal them so that they could want in the deacon's case so he could continue his education and in the mother's case so that she could save her her baby could be saved the bleeding could stop and her baby could be saved and she could deliver her little girl uh you know completely healed and everything so i think that's one of the most magnificent reasons the other one is that i mean since 1893 that just three years after his death the name newman has been on uh college campuses, the secular universities and colleges in the United States with Newman centers. Uh, now I think they're often just called campus ministry centers, but they began as Catholic uh, places for Catholic students to gather, to rece receive the sacraments, to continue their Catholic education on a secular campus when they may hear many things that challenge what they've been taught if they went to Catholic schools through high school. And learn it in a Newmanian way with the emphasis on uh, instructing the laity, forming the laity so that the laity could continue to practice their faith and to defend the Catholic faith in, in different ways. All right. So two of those my are two, big reasons. Those are and, two pretty strong reasons. Uh, and we actually had yes. uh, Deacon Jack Sullivan, who was one of those miracles on the Sunrise yes. Morning Show back when that was really kind of in process. Mm -hmm. um, I know... Uh, actually, several. I mean, there's there's a <clears throat> a whole thing, and this isn't one of your arguments specifically, but I know tons and tons of people who were in the Church of England or some offshoot of it, whether Episcopalians yes. or Anglican Church, Church of North America or something, uh, some sort of continuing Anglican communion, who are now Catholic and have come mm -hmm. in through the personal ordinariate, uh, which right. was established by Pope Benedict, and almost to a person, every single one of them says that Newman factored into their yes. journey towards Rome. So you got Americans all over the place uh, who can uh, talk yes. to Newman as, yeah. as an influence. But that, I think, speaks to something deeper, which is uh, one of the other points that you make on here is Newman's uh, concept of the new evangelization, which a lot of people misunderstand, really is kind of close to yes. the heart of what Paul VI and every pope after him really meant by the new evangelization. Right, because Newman, both as an Anglican and as a Catholic, one of his main projects was not just through education, but through his 
preaching ministry and through being an Anglican, uh, I mean, being an Anglican minister and then an Oratorian priest, was to move Christians and then and then more specifically Catholics to really understanding their faith and giving not just the kind of general consent, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Catholic, but giving that real assent that he said could really only come through, not through argument or not through, you know, kind of a rational argument or something like that, but he has that great, great line. Uh, the heart is commonly reached not through reason, but through the imagination, by means of direct impressions, by the testimony of facts and events, by history, by description. And this is the best line. Persons influence us. Voices melt us. Looks subdue us. Deeds inflame us. Many a man will live and die upon a dogma. No man will be a martyr for a conclusion. So his argument that, that it will have to be through personal influence, and that's particularly why he was so interested in, in the laity, especially as an oratorian forming the uh, little brothers, and then now the, the oratorians have the little sisters of the oratory to be able to defend their faith, to be able to express their faith so that uh, they could bring other souls to Christ and also just confirm members of their own family and their own circle of friends in their Catholic faith. And so he's, he's very important for the new evangelization. And, and I've taught a couple classes at our local Newman university on, on this theme. But if you look at uh, Bishop Robert Barron and Bishop James uh, Conley and many others and father, late father Ian Carr, his great biographer, they both emphasize this, that he is a perfect patron saint for the new evangelization. And I, I guess you could also say for the Eucharistic revival that we're going through here in the United States, because it's it's not just the concept that Jesus that we're in Holy Communion we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus that we need to inculcate. It's the reality of that that we need to bring to people. And Newman has that way because through imagination, through history, through examples, through stories. I mean, just like the stories we tell of the Catholic martyrs so often here on the Sunrise Morning Show. That's the way you bring people to realize that this is real. This is true. This is life. It, it, the Catholic faith is and, and our, our sacraments are. So, yes, I think that's maybe the preeminent reason that he should be on the the church calendar. And I propose he should be a memorial. Uh, the, in England, they moved the Saint-Denis and St. John Leonardi and another uh, local saint to the 10th of October. Just so to make room for Newman? The 9th of October could be a memorial. Yes. Yeah. Well, and uh, one little thing to tack on to the end of this, a lot of people who have uh, sure. feasts on the calendar, uh, their feast day is the day that they've died. Newman... His feast day is October 9th. He died on August 11th in 1890, but it was on October 9th in 1845 when he formally entered the Catholic Church. And that's his feast day, is the day that he was confirmed yes, as a Catholic. A so, so pretty cool. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. You've got all these things enumerated over at your blog, Supremacy and Survival. It's linked at yes. sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thank you. All right, that wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show on a Monday morning for our EWTN family. Talk to you all tomorrow. John Henry Newman, pray for us. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.